In February 2021 I was living and working on a homestead on the South Shore, outside of Lunenburg. I planned a last-minute road trip up to the Bay of Fundy one Saturday morning as the snow was starting to melt and the weather was mild. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And my buddy decided to come with. The bay is due north along a rural county highway tilde 100 kilometers from where we lived. The province has a similar geology to Maine and other coastal parts of New England, and even though most of the mountains are really just big hills and rolling uplands, geologically it's part of Appalachia. The highway in question slowly rises in elevation from the lower, sandier, rockier south shore toward a high ridge called South Mountain, then plunges into the Annapolis Valley, then rises sharply again over a parallel ridge, North Mountain, which then drops into the bay. It was a mild, overcast day, about 5C-41F when we left. While the clouds were threatening on the drive up and during our outing, the weather held until we started to head back. About 7pm we get in the car to leave the bay, it starts to rain very hard. As we crest North Mountain, the rain turns to sleet. By the time we're over the ridge, the temperature has dropped, and it's snow- Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Going quite hard. We cross the valley and begin to climb South Mountain and the snow is absolutely torrential. Like walnut-sized East Coast snowflakes. At this point I'm beginning to worry. I was raised in the snow belt in Ontario, so I'm used to very heavy snow, but this is bad even compared to what I'm used to. On a number of occasions that winter I had seen one to two feet of snow fall between the time I went to sleep and the time I woke up before dawn. At this point it's quite dark. I'm driving a 4x4 SUV with winter tires, but despite the truck and my experience, I'm limping along at 10 feet of visibility in front of me at best. I'm concentrating hard just to stay on the road with the white out in front of me looking like hyperspace from Star Wars, and the wet, slushy snow rapidly covering the lines of the already sketchy rural two-lane. I remember going 40 to 50 kmh in an 80 zone, 25 to 30 miles per hour in a 50, and feeling like that was the best I could do. We were well on our way home at that point, and came to a place where the empty highway dipped into a wetland area. It was a muskeg-slash-bog type environment, full of half-frozen mire and small black spruces, birches, etc. The highway ran over a small sort of bridge-slash-retaining wall protecting a culvert that let the wetland pass under the road. Just as we crossed it, on the very edge of my visibility, so, probably tilde 10 feet ahead, something ran from my left side across the road to the right. It was humanoid in shape, quite emaciated, bright, sickly white even against the snow. It appeared to be between my height and my bros, I'm 6 feet 3 he's tilde 5 feet 8 inches. It had a loping, biped on all fours gait like a human bent over, its ass in the air and head sloped down, much longer legs kicking back and up as it bounded forward, and tons of shoulder-slash-scapula movement with the front limbs, almost the way a wolf runs. It was a true gallop in the equestrian sense of the term, alternating front and back legs. I was struck by how fast it moved, it seemed agitated and excited, maybe even scared or angry. Remember, we were traveling tilde 45 kilometers an hour, and this frenzied animal or whatever it was passed across the road as fast or faster than we were traveling perpendicularly. I didn't catch a face, and I'm glad for that, but just the glowing color and smooth texture of its skin made me feel weird and uncanny. 
It was such a thorough white, it almost reminded me of the whitish-gray strips of reflective material on jogging gear, though not as luminescent, it was duller. But brighter than any fur or feathers I'd ever seen. I was genuinely terrified in the moment, I've spent many years in the outdoors and in rural areas and feel very comfortable being in the sticks at night, but something about what we saw just seemed wrong on a fundamental level, the same way the sound of cutlery scraping on a plate or nails on a chalkboard touches something basic and primal in your brain that signifies bad. I knew, somehow, that it was a bad thing, not dangerous in the way a bear encounter makes you feel, but very off. I instinctively locked the doors and began to speed up, and five or ten good seconds passed before I managed to speak did you see that? And barely finished my sentence before my buddy countered with what did you see? So I knew he saw it too. He's the opposite of the type of person that would ever claim interest or belief in the paranormal, cryptids, etc., and doesn't have any interest in spooky shit. He even looks down on stuff like astrology and tarot cards, never mind creatures in the forest. While I'm not a huge junkie for this kind of stuff, I am cautiously open to it. He most certainly is not, and before this happened would actively denigrate people who claim to have seen anything unusual. A dark, eerie vibe settled into the car then, things felt very oppressive and threatening. Other than the moderate stress of the snowy road, only a few minutes prior we had been enjoying our evening and chatting away as we usually did. All the hair on my body was standing straight up, and we sat in silence most of the way home, seemingly under the same dark cloud. As we get closer to Lunenburg and lower in elevation, the snow became sleet and then rain again, and the tense mood began to lift. We stopped on the way to pick up something to eat but still don't have much to say to each other and ate mostly in our own worlds. We headed home and got to bed, but both could barely sleep that night. We were living on the same plot of land as a Mi'kmaq, indigenous, medicine woman who was very well versed in a lot of her culture's folklore, and out of curiosity we went and knocked on her door after breakfast the next day and asked casually if she was familiar with anything like what we had seen. She was actually visibly bothered that we asked, said she didn't want to talk about that at all, said it was not good, and we never got a real answer out of her. I'm not sure if she was personally creeped out, or if maybe there's some kind of folklore evidence among the First Nations of the East Coast. I spent moths afterward considering what it could be, my first thought was a canine or a bear that was piebald, albino, mangy, or some combination of the above. But the thorough baldness, the speed, the sheer size, and the gait-slash-morphology-slash-proportions just do not fit the bill at all. You cannot hide the way a bipedal animal, with longer legs than arms, moves on all four legs, the way it kicks back with its glutes, the kyphosis, rounded spine, of its low back, the way its shoulders control its forelimbs, the low head posture. None of it adds up to a straight-backed herbivore or the head-forward posture of a predator. None of it. Nova Scotia is known for unexplained occurrences, but that was my first experience as such. I was able to piece together from Google Maps that it happened just north of Springfield Lake, I felt a little better once I saw the lights of people's homes, and using the aerial terrain feature to find the closest bog and culvert, 
I've settled on it being north of around 1933 Nova Scotia Trunk 10. You can see for yourself the wetland and bridge on street view obviously enough. I don't mind doxing the location as I now live out west. I was somewhere between 19 to 21, give or take, and like most weekends I was with my friends in the woods partying. We were all living in southwestern Ontario, roughly outside of the city of Kitchener-Waterloo, where the furthest outer suburb meets the edge of the countryside. This area of Ontario is interesting because it's a transition zone, located on the limestone country around the Niagara Escarpment, presumably near some caves, as many sightings have been, and features areas of mixed broadleaf and coniferous forest, farmland, remnants or prairie and savanna, and cool, dark, boggy eastern cedar woodland, some of which is extremely old growth. The landscape, for Americans unfamiliar, is similar to the landscape in the eastern portion of the upper Midwest. I hear Wisconsin in particular is basically the same. I won't go into detail or answer any more questions about specific location etc as this is where I spent my teens, and I have friends and family still living within a km or two of where this story takes place, so please respect that. The last thing I want is for the backdrop of this story in particular to blow up as some kind of hotspot, unlike the area down east in my last story which was a random transient spot on a county road. We had one of our usual bush parties in the Oak Savannah in a nature park about 5 kilometers along the trails from my best friend's parents' place, note, different guy than the one in the last story, and 15 or so of us were walking back sometime well after midnight. The weather was warm and muggy, and so my best guess puts it at somewhere between July and September. There was probably 15 of us and we were walking single file along the boardwalk that crossed through the cedar swamp on the edge of the park. Most of the gang, my best friend included, was quite drunk and stoned, and we were having a rowdy, raucous good time. I was actually reasonably sober, hadn't had anything to smoke, both of which were very unusual at the time, and was bringing up the rear since I had a flashlight and was a little concerned about one of the drunks tripping and falling as it was an exceptionally dark night, as cloudy summer nights can be in southern Ontario under the thick forest cover. I'm making this part clear because I want it to be evident that I wasn't really impaired, and that even though I'd had a few drinks, I still had the clarity to be concerned with us getting back without incident, and felt in control enough to follow the group by myself with the lights. As I mentioned, the atmosphere was pretty jovial and crude as is typical for 15, 20-year-old guys liquored on a summer night, and while there were preceding times where the forest felt weird and foreboding, despite all being experienced outdoorsmen in much more remote areas and spending most of our weekends in the woods, this was not one of those times. Being as I was hung back from the group a little bit, I wasn't entirely locked into the gang's conversation and distracted and kind of doing my own thing. I was sweeping the flashlight around somewhat to my left and right as I enjoyed the nighttime scenery. I swept the flashlight to the right and noticed something kind of strange. I thought I spotted a deer darting away from the light of my flashlight off into the thicker, drier area of trees beyond the cedar swamp, maybe 30 to 50 feet away from the boardwalk. 
As I watched it amble on a sort of semi-parallel diagonal alongside us and out of view, I started to feel sick. Something about the way it moved and the way it was shaped didn't make sense for a deer or any other animal I knew. We don't have much in the way of wildlife in SW Ontario anyway because of how much human land use there is, and outside of small irrelevant animals like foxes, raccoons, etc. there are really only deer and coyotes. I would consider that bears and wolves are possible in theory, but highly, highly unlikely as far as I've ever heard. The animal, a skinny humanoid, was the same shade of white as the thing I saw in the experience I linked above, the same luminescent grayish-white as the reflective strips on a pair of jogging pants, though duller. I saw no face in this instance either, though the head was equally bald and round-slash-oblong, like a primate's. Again, it appeared bipedal, though bent over on all fours, ass in the air. Unlike the galloping creature that I saw in Nova Scotia, this one seemed to be moving more slowly, at a pace akin to a jog. It seemed to be trotting, almost like the gait of a happy dog, and I remember noticing tons of hip sway as it walked, almost in the squat sort of way a marmot, skunk, or badger moves. This makes sense for the way a bipedal animal would move on all fours anyway, since hinging at the hips means that the ball and socket joint of the hip can't rotate fully, and the hip flexor muscles being shortened aren't able to be used with the same fluency for lateral forward movement. The thing made zero sound despite running off into the woods right in front of me, which was bizarre considering the number of sticks littering the floor of the forest. I immediately felt my voice catch in my throat as immense, primal fear gripped me. I realized nobody had seen it, all corked out of the heads and bantering about whatever topic, but also at the same moment it occurred to me that if I raised the alarm, the whole group would panic and scatter and the ensuing chaos meant somebody would be, at the very least, likely to fall into the swamp, or potentially attract whatever I just saw to our group. Was it stalking us? Was it startled and retreating out of fear, or had it been discovered and was escaping the way a cougar does when you face it straight on? I had no idea, and still I'm not sure. My heart was beating through my chest but I continued to bring up the rear, constantly swinging my flashlight around and checking over my shoulder, as the hair, just like in the Nova Scotia experience, stood straight up on my neck and arms. We reached the road without further incident, but I was deeply, deeply disturbed. As I mentioned above, several of us had had much more subtle odd experiences in the forest before this, including hearing strange noises, unfortunately similar to the typical crawler call that gets posted in this sub, wood knocking, feeling as if we were being watched or hunted, and once I personally had felt the intense and overwhelming intuition that I had to leave immediately, nobody else in the group had felt as such, but I convinced them to go. My best friend, who, unlike Buddy from the East Coast story is extremely interested in the paranormal, was equally as terrified as I was when I told him about this the next day, and forever after, we still walk around those woods when I visit home. We've been quite cautious, always inclined to expect something weird to occur when we head there at night. Prior to my finding this sub, we called it the Wendigo. I live in Pennsylvania and my friend and I went to a nature preserve at around midnight because it's fun to be creeped out, 
Classic white people in horror movie stuff. The woods we were in goes on for five miles and we made it about six minutes into the woods when we came to the first fork in the road. Now this isn't our first time in these woods at late hours and whenever I am there I do get a bit paranoid and my mind plays tricks on me like seeing things at the corner of my eye and stuff. But this time I saw it in front of us and all I saw was red reflective eyes and I thought it was my mind messing with me so I wasn't going to say anything to my friend but then he said to me hey do you see that? And I cut him off telling him I did see it and there was an immediate oh shit moment. We stood there thinking of what we should do as its eyes reflected off the lantern we brought we saw it slightly moving confirming that it was a very much alive creature and not a sign or something. We tried to back up a bit and then it turned its head so we couldn't see where it was anymore so we did a very quick jog back towards the exit of the park and about 3 minutes later my friend stops me and is staring at a tree behind us. I take a look and it looked around 6 or 7 feet tall. It was on its hind legs, had an arm wrapped around the tree and was peeking over at us with a human-like head but we couldn't make out any facial features. A branch broke and we ran further up we were almost out then right next to me the bush rustles I scream and we do a full-on sprint back to the car and we get the F out of there. This happened back in 2016-2017. I was newly divorced and had my young child and I had moved into my parents duplex until I could get on my own two feet and find a place. Where my parents live, still lives there to this day, is somewhat country but also not country. As in there are woods and fields but they're sporadic and not clustered together to make this into a wrong turn reboot or anything like that. They have neighbors across the street and to the left of them and also some men's down the street there's a medium-sized neighborhood. Next to their duplex is a small patch of woods and across the street is some farmland that ends up running into the farmer's cattle pen. So you can expect to see a deer here and there, rabbits, basically anything you'd find in a forest. The night I saw these things I was coming home late from work as I worked for lawyers in the city that was 15 minutes from my parents' house. I drive with low beams because I don't want to get accustomed to using high beams all the time so I train my eyes to use the low beams so I won't need to use them so often. So as I was slowing and turning into my parents' driveway, my low beam headlights passed over this thing for but a few seconds. It was the color of human flesh white slash cream slash tan whatever you want to call it, and I could see the pink in the crevices of the shoulders and elbows and knees. It had six legs that ended with these feet that were three-toed, almost like a chameleon. The way the skin shifted and moved, it was so tight over the bones, like the skin was like a casing for whatever this thing was made of. It was so tight that I could see the blue veins in the skin on this thing's body. I immediately stopped and backed up to try to catch it in my headlights again. Thinking to myself, had I just seen what I think I saw? By the time I got my car, cruise, positioned, it had already slipped into the woods and out of sight. Pulling in again, I got this instinctual wave of panic. Like prey that senses a predator. All I could think of while staring at the door to my parents' house was whatever you do, don't let the lights go out. Don't let the lights go out. Don't. Let. The. Lights. Go. Out. 
I couldn't sleep in my car as it didn't feel safe to be there and I knew I'd have to go in to be safe. But thinking about leaving my car only caused that instinctual panic to heighten. There has only been a handful of times where my body has instinctually let me know of danger, like when my now husband was cutting down a tree and the voice in my head said move and that same instinctual feeling came over me and no sooner had I moved, the tree broke and came down directly in my path. So suffice to say, I trust my gut. Taking a deep breath, I took the keys out of the ignition and opened my door and kept hitting the unlock button to keep the headlights on as I walked. And true to any panicked victim in any horror cliché, I could not find my house key. As I was fumbling and jingling my keys and making sure to unlock my cruise to keep the lights on, I couldn't find my damn keys. The more I couldn't find them, the more panicked I became and the more get in the house now feeling was coming over me. So in a move of desperation, I stopped trying to keep the lights on and figured I could find my key and hit the lights before anything happened. Sure enough I was able to find my key and as it slid into the door, at the exact same time the lights of my cruise went out. Jingle. My heart stopped. The sound of my keys jingling had come from behind me. I turned to look and there is this massive humanoid creature with its hand on my trunk, posed as if to pounce, leaning as if it was going to strike. The lights from our neighbor's garage barely illuminated it but from what I could make out, this creature's skin was hardened or armored. It looked tough. It didn't have any hair and it was all muscle and tough skin. Its head didn't have eyes or a nose, but indentations of where they should have been, as I could see the shadows of its eye sockets in the faint light and all I saw was the same dark gray or black skin. This thing however had no mouth, not even an indentation of one. All I knew was this was the thing that I should be afraid of and I turned the lock with the handle and slammed the door and locked it. I have never seen these creatures again but I still remember every detail. Has anyone seen these creatures too? Okay so, when I was about 5, we would visit the same caravan park on Scotland every weekend. It was a second home, and I was able to freely play on this quiet, slightly ran down but otherwise familiar caravan park. This was the 90s. My favorite place was playing in the heather, I've always been a very short girl. So at 5, the heather to me seemed so tall and was great to run through and hide. There was a path was I'd take from just near of my own caravan. If you went so far it would pop out into a clearing and then you could walk up this long abandoned road to the old hospital where we would all as kids dare each other to go in. The caravan park was a former base during the war. With pillbox gun shelters scattered all over the site. I digress. This day I was in the heather. When I heard a unearthly loud breathing right beside me. I looked through the heather branches and seen nothing. But I could still hear it and it felt and sounded like it was looking right at me. I started to run back in the direction of the caravans. And it followed me keeping pace, breathing louder, it wasn't animal-like, it wasn't human. But somewhere in between. I stopped. It stopped moving. I ran as fast as I could again. Again keeping up pace, it was following me and its breathing never changed. But I never seen it once. 
I popped out the heather back out onto the road. I stopped and looked back, it never came out. I could still hear it. It sounded like it was just on the edge of the vast sea of heather still looking at me. I freaked the hell out and ran straight back to the caravan where I hysterically tried to tell my ma'am. Who, of course, told me it was my imagination and to go back out. To this day, as a 29-year-old woman, I stand by it. I know what I heard. I know what I felt. But I'll never know what it was. I'd like to share a few of my experiences I've had in the past. I'm from Haidu Bihar, Hungary, and all of my experiences happened in Eastern Europe. Some are older, while some are quite fresh, that being said. I'm not quite sure if all of my encounters are connected to crawler humanoids, but I have seen and heard many strange things in my life. I was for about 12 years old when this happened, I am 24 now. I spent my summer time with my brother and my cousin at my grandmother's house. I've always hated that place. The old, ruined buildings, the backyard covered with dense vegetation, and animals remains made the whole thing even worse. Not to mention, we've always been scared to go outside after sunset, because we tend to hear strange noises outside and the light barely hit the end of the backyard. On that night, my cousin woke us up and ordered us to grab our slippers and let's go outside because he need to use the toilet badly. The thing is, that in my grandmother's house there was no toilet inside. The only toilet we can use was an old, small toilet at the end of the backyard in a small, ruined building, close to the other ruins. This usually forced us to drink and eat carefully before night, because going outside alone in the dark as a child was a creepy journey, and we already experienced many things before. We tried to convince him to come on, try to hold it for two to three hours when the sun slowly starts to shine upon the yard at least, but he told us to F off, and that he can't do that, so get our ass up and go. We didn't have too much choice anyways, so we prepared fast and with my lead, of course, the only girl had to go first, definitely for courtesy purposes, huh? We left the house. He ran inside the building, which lay far from the main house where we actually abstained. I and my brother stood guard. The moon was bright, so to keep my mind busy and out of fear, I laid my eyes on it and tried to enjoy the sight and the illusionary safeness it gave me for a short period. When suddenly, I heard the neighbor's dog barking, screaming, shrieking like hell. In the voice of the dog was a mixture of dread, confusion, and pain, like if would actually beat him or something like that. I had no clue what was going on. I knew that for some reasons, the neighbor kept his dog closed inside a safe building before the dark fell but the door was actually a door of a fence, so it always managed to see the yard. The yard where he tend to stay was also closed. This dog never really barked at the night, at all and even if he did sometimes, it was never, never like this, I can safely say that I never heard such a voice coming from a dog before. We both stared in the direction where the dog was, trying to figure out what was happening, but the ruined building covered the scene. We waited, didn't dare to move closer either so we keep staring in the pale dark when the barking suddenly stopped. Something terrible fear sat on us in those, dead silent moments, 
which actually followed us till the end of the encounter. When finally I noticed the reason of that terrible crying. A pale-skinned, eerily thin creature appeared before us from about 15 to 20 meters away. He's walked on fours in a way I've never seen it's any other being walking before. It was hunched over, and its limbs were just too long for its torso. He was hairless, bald. His eyes doesn't shine, but when he turned his head towards us, the lamp behind us made his eyes glow. When he noticed me and my brother, he froze for some seconds, but then the creature started to move his head, twisting, turning. His movements gave me a sense that he is actually trying to observe us from far away and decide what to do. His body also moved strangely, sometimes he raised his whole torso, and his long and thin arms left the ground, sometimes he leaned back to all fours, as he stared at us. My brother almost started to cry and asked what the hell is that? I heard that he made one step behind me, but didn't dare to run. Both I and he got paralyzed by the appearance and the look of the creature. I knew that my cousin can finish his business at any time, and if he'll come out, he'll face the creature, so I tries to raise my voice and said, H hey, there is something outside. At that point, I didn't care too much about the creature, he already spotted us anyways. I felt how his eyes are focused on me after that warning. I just felt it. I can't really describe that feeling. Everything was dead silent around us. No birds, no crickets, no dogs, nothing. I tried to calculate what to do, but I realized that the house is too far from us, so even if we try to flee, the creature could reach us easily if that would be his purpose, and our cousin would be still outside. I'm not quite sure how long we stared at each other, honestly, I have no clue, it felt like long minutes. But then, he turned his body, gave us a final gaze, with his head raised, then flee from a different direction. The reed fence which separated my grandmother's plot and the other neighbors was for about 10 feet tall, and I swear to God, this creature jumped over it with one single jump. That night keeps haunting me and brings me old questions again and again. I am still not satisfied with the answers I got, and I don't know why the creature left us alive. Long years after this, I still ask my brother about this encounter sometimes, to convince myself that I'm not crazy, not like the time would wash away the truth. I ask him if he still remembers that night. He always answers, in a low tone with a yes, and we never talk about it any further. This experience happened in the same town where I had that encounter with the pale creature, two years ago. I was sleeping in my other grandmother's house, which is located at the very end of the town. Like literally, it was actually the last street, which led out to the wilderness, towards the forest and the fields. I kept my windows open, because in the summer at the night, a little fresh, cold air is always a big help when you try to fall asleep. Only the shutter covered the windows a little bit, just in case, not want people to peek inside. In the middle of that night, I was dragged out of my dreams, by a terrible voice I'd never heard before. I cannot describe it perfectly. It sometimes sounded like a mixture of several creatures, but wasn't perfectly similar to any I'd know, it was kinda static if that makes sense. 
It was sometimes like screeching, hissing, clittering, moaning, and what freaked me out the most, was that sometimes I managed to hear a human voice between those strange, nightmarish sounds, but definitely coming from the very same source. A deep, human voice that wasn't right either, at all. It just wasn't natural. I can't make out what he actually tried to say, but he often repeated the same sentences, then the strange sounds came again as if whatever was outside, tried to mock me. I lay in my bed, squeezed my hands on my mouth to try to not make any sound, and tears started to flow down my cheeks. Not just the sounds, I've seen and heard many scary things before, but the vibe, the atmosphere made this situation even more worst. I felt like a caged animal, who is stared at by a hungry predator, ready to break in. And I think, it was actually the case. Because I spent a lot of time in that house, and I've heard a lot of people walking before the house at different times of the day and night, so I can make it out two things. Two things, the source of the voice is looking in that direction, before my window, and the second is that it has to be at least eight feet tall, to be able to make these sounds from that high, because the house has a higher built base. It felt like an eternity, and I realized that my dog is silent. Normally he barks at everyone who is approaching the house. He is very very overprotective, big staffy, but on that night, he went dead silent, and I didn't hear any other sounds coming from outside, like other dogs barking which was, well, a huge problem in that part of the town unlike on the another, and I surely started to fear that he got attacked or killed by this, something. By how the voice changed, before went completely silent suddenly, I can say almost after when it left my window, this thing turned around, and took its way down on the narrow, ruined road, back to the endless forest and fields to vanish in the dark. This happened close to that town, tilde 20 kilometers distance, where I experienced the two things I've mentioned above, on the edge of a city, surrounded by woods, wilderness, and also, from a different direction, endless cornfields, embraced by um, more woods, of course. I was outside in the dark, around four, walking with my dog. For some reason, I prefer to walk my dog after the sunset, because the roads are empty, and everything is silent, so I can be alone. I almost reached the park, when something terrible feeling just hit me, and I recognized, that everything went dead silent. No birds chirping, no dogs barking, no crickets or any kind of bugs, no bats making sounds, nothing. I immediately felt like someone or something is watching me, and before I'd take my gaze toward the direction from where I felt this the most, towards the park, the pale lights around that area burned out completely. Everything went black. My dog stopped moving and sniffing around, and stared in the pitch dark with me. Suddenly, I started to hear a strange noise coming from the dark, somewhere above, probably from a top of a tree. I had similar vibes to what I've got in my second story, this just happened eight months ago. Static murmuring, chittering noises started to come from the dark. I tried to see the source but I can't. There was no light at all, so if that would be a creature, the lights couldn't make its eyes glow, because there was none. I didn't have to push my dog to go back, 
He literally started to run back to the house, and I keep looking back in that direction, while that terrible feeling of being watched, literally, eaten alive by eyes, kept torturing me. I actually had some other scary slash strange experiences around this place too, with strange figures and feelings. After this experience, my dog absolutely refuses to go near that park at night. Both me and my friend enjoy exploring ditches, and are also intrigued by the unexplained. Last night, we were using a ditch as a shortcut to get home fast at night, and were passing a cursed tunnel entrance where cats are commonly found dead and it has an eerie energy to it. Anyways, we were passing it, and we heard a rock get kicked behind us so we just booked it about a half mile while feeling a massive dark presence behind us. We stopped and started speed walking. I looked back and what I saw had paralyzed me with fear. There was a massive pale and skinny figure staring straight at me, with a sinister smile. After a few seconds, my friend snapped me out of it and I just ran until I collapsed. My friend was absolutely terrified just by its presence too. We felt like it followed us through the dark for hours, but it was probably only around 10 minutes. Today, we had decided enough is enough. We began the plan, to take it out. We went to the tunnel and covered it with rocks. As we were walking away, we heard rustling inside of the tunnel. It's not too small but it's just small enough to block the entrance. We heard rocks moving, and clanging on the metal of the tunnel. It showed us signs of its presence the entire way out of the tunnel. Peeking at us from around corners, making noises like kind of a clicking, kicking slash pushing slash throwing rocks. At the last short tunnel going under a road, which we had to pass through to get home, my friend stayed behind. I didn't realize anything was wrong until I looked back. I didn't see anything, but my friend sure did. He just stood there for about a minute, and I was yelling his name out. He slowly backed up, then turned around and started running. When we got out of the ditch, he just sat down and he wouldn't move or react to anything. He didn't speak for hours, but when he finally did, he described what I saw but like in a crawling position. About 15 feet long, 4.3 meters, scrawny and bony. That's all he would tell me. He was rather quiet for the rest of the day. Someone please help us figure out what the F we saw. It's in our favorite place and we just want to get rid of it by any means. My name is Trent Whedon. What happened to me is a true story. I am from a cattle ranch in eastern Montana. The ranch is located on the north side of the Yellowstone River, halfway between the towns of Glendive and Savage, near a small community called Intake. The ranch on which I lived has been in our family since 1893. Currently my brother and his family live there along with myself. Our home place is not where these incidents have occurred, but rather on another ranch that we lease that is on the south side of the river. The ranch in question is massive, covering about 18 sections. A section is one square mile, or 640 acres, and is two-thirds deeded, with the rest being either BLM or state-owned. This land is incredibly rugged, being covered in clay hills and deep canyons, and is for the most part unfenced. There are several buffalo jumps on the ranch, 
where hundreds of years ago the Indians would chase herds of buffalo off cliffs to their deaths. You can still find buffalo bones at these sites. Supposedly the ranch was also the site of a massacre, where an entire village of Hadatsa were killed by their enemies the Sioux, although I haven't found any actual records of that incident. Also on the ranch are two abandoned homesteads on the ranch, the Mint Place and the Carter Place. The Mint Homestead is merely one mile off of a county road and relatively easy to access, so my brother and I still use the dated cattle pens that are a part of it. The Carter Place is more remote however, only being accessible on horseback as the trail that went to it washed out many years ago. All that is left of the Carter Place is a log cabin with the roof caving in, an old corral system and a barn that has toppled over. The last people that lived in the Carter house was the Carter family themselves, but during the 1930s the father went crazy and murdered the entire family before turning the gun on himself. At least that's what people said. The ranch's current owners live in California, and have owned the ranch since purchasing it from the Mint family sometime during the 1980s. My brother and I began leasing the ranch in 2007. There was some unusual activity at first, mainly random lights, but nothing that couldn't be explained in a reasonable way. The strangeness began in 2017, after a well was drilled on the property. I wonder now if this may have unleashed something. During the fall of 2017, I was searching for strays on horseback when I was approached by two frantic hunters. These hunters claimed that they were being stalked by a pack of wolves, but I was dismissive, as there had not been a wolf in this area since the 1920s. The hunters claimed that they knew the difference between wolves and coyotes, and were absolutely certain that what was stalking them was wolves. Whatever it was had seriously bothered them. Later in the year, when we were trucking cattle away from the ranch and back to the home place, we found out that we were a dozen head short. Despite us running 600 cattle on the property, we kept very close tabs on the herd and it was unusual to lose more than two. But no matter how many times we searched and recounted, we could not find the missing cattle. This began a trend, and so far since 2017 there have been a total of 138 unaccounted cattle, a financial loss of $165,000. Though there are many odd events that I could recount, there is one that stands out. This took place in October of 2020. Myself, my brother, and my brother's eldest son were gathering the cattle and herding them to the Mint Homestead, where they could be loaded on trucks and taken to our home ranch for the winter. By this point the weird activity on the ranch had increased, so much so that we never went to the ranch without being armed. This day was no exception, and strapped to the saddle under my left leg was a Winchester 30-30 rifle. The morning went well, and by noon we had gathered 200 head which we penned up at the mint place. After eating a quick lunch, my brother and nephew loaded their horses and left. My nephew had a football game later that day. I stayed alone and rode northwest, toward the Carter homestead. The first strange thing to happen was when I rode down a canyon. As I was riding I could hear multiple howls and cries coming from all directions. I cannot describe what these howls sounded like, because they were like nothing I had heard before or since. As I continued riding in the canyon I was overcome with a feeling of dread. My horse, 
Ace, seemed to pick up on this as well, and began spooking at almost every shadow. This was very out of character for him, as he was usually a very calm and collected horse. The second strange thing was when I approached the Carter homestead. As I crested a hill in front of it, something jumped out of the old log cabin and ran in the opposite direction. I was still close to a mile away, so I had to use my binoculars to get a better look. What I saw through the lenses chilled me to the bone. It was a wolf, but it was massive, and solid black. It was so large that it could be mistaken for a black bear, but it was undeniably canine. After seeing the wolf my gut told me to turn around and come back later with company, but I ultimately continued. Throughout the course of the afternoon I managed to convince myself that the wolf I saw was nothing more than a coyote, and that its black fur was just a shadow. It was nearing dusk before I arrived back at the mint place, herding 30 head of cattle in front of me. After I penned the cattle up I led Ace back to my pickup and horse trailer. From a distance I could see there was something wrong with the trailer, and as I approached I found that the axle had come apart. It didn't make any sense to me as it was fine when I drove in, and there was no explanation as to what could have made it come apart when it wasn't moving. By this time it was fairly dark outside, and as we were coming out the next day I decided to unhook the trailer and leave Ace at the corrals overnight. When I left I saw three blue lights near the corrals, but I attributed these lights to hunters so I continued driving. I also heard some more of the howls I had heard earlier in the day. When all three of us arrived the next morning we found the corrals in a total mess. All the grass was turned up inside the corrals where the cattle had been milling, and the fence was broken in several places. The cattle that were penned up the night before were nowhere to be found, along with Ace. My brother and nephew took off on horseback to try to locate some of the cattle and Ace, but only managed to find around 20 head. As I was without a horse we repaired the trailer and left later in the afternoon. The next day all three of us rode, and we searched exclusively for Ace. During this time I covered a lot of country that I would have otherwise missed, and I discovered more bizarre things. At the bottom of one canyon were hundreds of holes, about one foot in diameter and three foot deep. These holes had to have been dug by people, as there would be no animal that would have dug them. I also found a bone pile, which was exceptionally strange. There were the carcasses of four cows, all piled on top of each other, in an area that they typically would not have accessed. At first I thought that this was the act of poachers who were illegally killing and butchering cattle at the ranch, but there would have been no way to get to this location with a pickup or a four-wheeler for that matter. The more we searched, the less sense everything made. We searched for three days before we came across something. My brother radioed me, as there was no cell service, that he believed he had found Ace. My nephew and I rode to his location, and sure enough at the bottom of a sinkhole, sinkholes are very common in this area, so its presence was not unusual, was the carcass of Ace, along with three cows. The sinkhole was at the bottom of a canyon, with the walls of this canyon being 300 feet tall the sinkhole being another 20 feet deep. It took an hour just to climb down the canyon walls. When I finally approached the sinkhole I found Ace to be heavily mutilated. Both ears were removed, along with the eyes, nostrils and hooves. 
The back half of him was not exposed but it looked like his tail was also removed. The cow surrounding him also had similar mutilations. As was the case with the howls, the wolf, and the trailer, none of this made sense. It would have been almost impossible for just one cow to end up in this location, let alone three cows and a horse. There were also no tracks leading into or out of the sinkhole or canyon. The sheriff and veterinarian were both notified and an investigation was launched. The ultimate conclusion was that something had caused the cattle to spook and break out of the corrals, and whatever it was spooked them so bad that they ran all the way from Mint Place to the bottom of the sinkhole, in which they perished. When I mentioned the wolf I had seen, they were dismissive, just as I had been when the hunters told me of the wolf three years prior. No foul play was suspected, and the case was closed. Though there were many strange things that have happened since then, there were none quite as upsetting as the loss of my horse. Cattle continued to go missing, and we now only ride the place in pairs. My brother and I are thinking about terminating the lease as for the moment the current cattle losses are unsustainable. I've always been a big YouTube watcher, and found that many stories on the site came from Reddit, so I decided to share mine. Though I don't have any pictures of Ace in the sinkhole, my phone was destroyed in an unrelated incident and I didn't have my files backed up, I do have pictures of a separate bone pile in some of the ranch. I will post these to my profile if you are interested in seeing them. So in my town in West Texas there are deep stone drainage ditches all over the place, and they are the primary ways for me and my friends to get around quickly. There is a small tunnel going off the side of the ditch, and it is called Cat Head Tunnel. It's a cursed tunnel and dead cats are always found in front of it. To add, it's bent like the shape of a cat's head. Anyways, we were just walking by it at night, and something came out of it right after we passed it. It followed us the rest of the two miles to our homes, and I saw it clearly. It looked to be about between 9 to 12 feet tall, 3 to 4 meters, and it was off-white, really skinny, and had a large circular face. It was smiling at us really widely. We both felt its very strong dark aura, but I didn't feel threatened by it. My friend felt like he was in extreme danger, though. Does anyone have any idea what this could've been? Is it dangerous? A few days ago, Mr. Miguel Matos, who lived in the El Duque sector of the municipality of Naguabo, Puerto Rico, which adjoins the El Yunque forest to the east, told us that he had had several unusual experiences in that area and that he had to send us a note summarizing them. We have already received the note from him, which contains very interesting details, and we are posting it here. Summary of events experienced by me, Miguel Matos, in the El Duque sector, in the town of Naguabo, Puerto Rico. 1. August 2017, one night between 2.30 am, and 3 am, I saw an oblate oval-shaped unidentified flying object about 4 inches long and 2 inches wide, illuminated with a bright green light. I woke up to go to the bathroom and noticed a reflection of light on the bathroom window, coming from the back of the residence, outside. Upon reaching the room I looked out the window and saw the aforementioned object hovering over the ground, 
about four feet high. I called my wife and she saw it too. The object flew over the entire lot, the house, and the structures, making some very fast sharp turns and zigzags, as if examining everything, and then moved away at incredible speed towards the top of the mountain behind the residence, that communicates with the Pico del Este and is part of the El Yunque forest. My wife and I lost sight of it there. 2. One night in November 2017, I had an encounter with a creature somewhat similar to an ape, but with other very strange physical characteristics. The house in which we lived belonged to my wife's mother, and we lived in an apartment on the ground floor of it. On the land next to the house, there was a part covered with cement, and another section with stones and gravel. In that section, my wife had a brave pit bull dog, with her little house. She was very territorial, and would not allow strangers in there. One night the dog began to scream and moan as if she was afraid of something, and that surprised us because she was brave. I went out to see what was the matter and that it was alright, and as I did so I quickly noticed a very strong acrid smell similar to that of sulfur, which irritated my throat. Still, I went ahead and checked, but I didn't notice anything out of the ordinary, so I went back to the house. A few minutes later it was felt that something or someone was walking on the stones next to the canopy. At that moment I took my firearm and went back out to see what was happening. I again smelled that very strong odor, and then I noticed the presence of an apparently furry and dark creature about 75 feet away from me, which, not being able to see it up close, I thought maybe it was an ape. Then I lost sight of it. 3. One night in December 2017, I don't remember the exact date, I met an incredible creature on the road. It was already between 9.30pm and 10pm, and I was returning from visiting my father in a town near Naguabo. I was driving my car, and being a few meters from the house, located in the El Duque neighborhood of the town of Naguabo, I suddenly saw that in the middle of the road there was something similar to a large dark brown dog. I stopped my car and honked at it to make that dog move, but it didn't move, so I got out of the car and threw a rock near it to make it move. To my great surprise, what I thought was a big dog got up, stretched, and I could see what it really was. I could not believe what I was watching. There, standing in front of me, was a creature about 7 feet tall. It was standing on two legs, like a person, but its legs were weird, kind of curved, and with three big claws on its feet. Its entire body was covered with short dark brown hair. It had strong arms similar to a person's, with hands with only four clawed fingers. Its head was more or less like that of a human being, but his face somewhat resembled that of a ferret, with a slightly more pronounced snout, and he had short ears. Its eyes were totally black and slightly almond-shaped, not very large, see image. Seeing it shocked me, and I thought to draw my firearm, but something told me not to do it, that creature was very big and if I missed the shot it could attack me. We looked at each other for a few moments, and then it walked quietly, went into the bush, and I stopped seeing it. There I entered my vehicle and arrived at the house, where I told my partner what had happened. She told me why didn't you shoot him? And I said I couldn't do it. If I missed the shot, that big thing could attack me, and I would not have been able to face it. Now, 
That thing looked like a cross between a human being and an animal, and its behavior seemed intelligent to me. I suspect it may have been the same creature I had seen before, which I thought was an ape. 4. January 2018, Strange Flying Lights on Top of El Yunque Mountain After the passage of Hurricane Maria through Puerto Rico in 2017, the entire area was without electric power, and on many occasions, we saw strange lights flying over the area. One night I was traveling back to the El Duque neighborhood of Naguabo, and casually looking up at the top of El Yunque Mountain I visualized a line of bright white lights coming down from the sky towards the top of El Yunque. Suddenly, that row of lights made two quick jerky movements from left to right and descended rapidly at the top, and then a mist suddenly formed that blocked the visibility towards the top of the mountain. That fog did not seem normal to me. I believe it was something produced by whatever that row of lights was, to hide their presence up there. 5. January 2018, Strange Behavior in Animals At the end of January 2018, a skinny horse with a rare stamp on his left leg arrived at the house. That horse did not approach the other horses that were there. But the strangest thing, in my opinion, was that he didn't eat grass. However, he pretended to eat something on the cement floor, where there was no grass. When you spoke to him he looked at you as if he understood you, with a very penetrating stare. After that, it went into the brush and disappeared from sight. I have to be honest, I wasn't sure who to contact about this but felt I had to report it to someone. On September 11, 2022, my brother and I witnessed what I can only begin to describe as a pterodactyl-like bird flying north to south. We saw the creature from approximately 100 feet away, and it was about 50 feet off of the ground. It appeared to be 6 to 8 feet long, grayish in color, with a long dark beak, apex 1.5 feet long. Its wings were very long and tapered to a point. The tail was very strange as it appeared to be maybe 2 to 3 feet long, straight and smooth, a couple inches around. At the end of the tail was some kind of roundish tip about the size of a baseball. I couldn't discern any feathers, the animal appeared gray and smooth. Thank you for your time. I just had to report this to someone. E. E states that he and his brother were driving in his neighborhood just outside of the city of Alamogordo, New Mexico on the early evening of September 11, 2022. For those unfamiliar with the location, Alamogordo is in the Tularosa Basin of the Chihuahuan Desert. It is bordered on the east by the Sacramento Mountains and to the west by Holloman Air Force Base. It is also near the White Sands Missile Range and National Park. Flying near them was, what the witness described as what he first thought was an oversized pelican. It was flying at an altitude of approximately 50 feet and close enough for him and his brother to distinguish detail. The long beak was very pronounced and long. The entire body was about 8 feet long with membrane wings that were long and tapered to a point. The wingspan was at least 12 feet. The entire body was grayish in color. There was no hair, just smooth skin. There was also a long tail, about the thickness and length of a baseball bat with a bulb-shaped formation on the end. It was flying north to south. 
It was deliberately and slowly flapping its wings while maintaining height and speed. Both witnesses were shocked at what they were observing and felt compelled to report the incident. I received the written report that same evening. The witness later stated that he had been outside grilling the night before. At the time he heard several loud screeches coming from a distance and above, but could not determine what it was. There is an area near his home that is somewhat swampy with old growth trees. He plans to investigate the location for evidence. So in my town in West Texas there are deep stone drainage ditches all over the place, and they are the primary ways for me and my friends to get around quickly. There is a small tunnel going off the side of the ditch, and it is called Cat Head Tunnel. It's a cursed tunnel and dead cats are always found in front of it. To add, it's bent like the shape of a cat's head. Anyways, we were just walking by it at night, and something came out of it right after we passed it. It followed us the rest of the two miles to our homes, and I saw it clearly. It looked to be about between 9 to 12 feet tall, 3 to 4 meters, and it was off-white, really skinny, and had a large circular face. It was smiling at us really widely. We both felt its very strong dark aura, but I didn't feel threatened by it. My friend felt like he was in extreme danger, though. Is this a crawler? So, a while back, I saw something. It was, pitch black, so dark, that it was distinguishable even during the night, moon obscured by clouds. This thing it. It didn't have a face. Not a full one at least. Where you'd expect to see a face, there was instead this horrible, mouth. A mouth, that spanned the entire horizontal length of its face. Its hands. They, they were huge. Its arms reached the ground, it was as tall as the street lamp it was standing next to, a street lamp, that had long since stopped working. Even though I was safe inside the camp cabin, oh yeah, this takes place on a camp trip by the way, so yeah. Thought I'd probably mention that, I was still unnerved. But, it didn't seem to be moving, at first. It suddenly started walking forwards, then stopped, took a break, continued again, then stopped, took a break, continued again, and on and on, until it was outside, looking in through the glass sliding door, it was standing on the steps. Then, it reached out towards the door, reached out and placed its palm against the glass, and, even though there weren't any visible eyes, it stared at me and, four of my friends who happened to be awake, it stared at U.S. It stood there for, like, 12 minutes then it tilted its head, and walked off. The camp I was at had roads between cabins, these roads had streetlights and went off after 10, the curfew. Despite its proximity to Nashville, a short 35-mile drive, Dixon County has retained its rural character as well as its legends of ghosts and monsters. One such legend is that of Werewolf Springs, located in what is now Montgomery Bell State Park. Sam Brown, a local schoolteacher, heard the legend as a child. According to the story, in the late 1860s, 
A train carrying a traveling circus derailed on the southwestern boundary of the present-day park and several animals escaped, including two creatures dubbed the Wolfmen of Borneo. All the animals were rounded up with the exception of the Wolfmen, who disappeared in the forest. Lifelong Dixon County resident Craig Anderson also grew up hearing tales of the county's werewolf and noted the story as one of Dixon's best-known legends. Anderson and Brown collaborated for an episode of the Renaissance Center's production of Dark Encounters Investigated, during which they retold the legend of Werewolf Springs. The episode aired in 2003. A couple of years after the train wreck, a local landowner and his hired hand set out from a farm near present-day Burns for the owner's homestead near the Harpeth River. They were making their way along a country road in the location where Highway 47 runs southwest of the park, when something spooked their horses in the vicinity of Werewolf Springs and they saw a wild creature that walked upright like a man watching them from the woods. The thing seemed to be hunting and the hired man loosened the reins and gave the horses their head. Though the team was at a full gallop, they still couldn't shake the monster and the men jumped from the wagon and ran into the woods in different directions. The wolfman went after the hired hand and shortly thereafter, the landowner heard blood-curdling screams. He didn't stop until he reached the home of a nearby farmer. He and other men on horseback returned to the location, where they found the horses and wagon, but there was no sign of the hired hand. He was never seen or heard from again. Shortly thereafter, a posse was organized to hunt down and kill the beast, or beasts. The men headed to a clearing near the spring where large bones were often discovered, believing the location was in close proximity to the wolfman's den. They tethered a goat and divided into pairs to watch. It was dark by the time a hairy monster stealthily entered the clearing and went for the goat. The men commenced firing at the creature, after which they grabbed their lanterns and checked to see if their bullets had found their mark. Not only had the beast and goat vanished, so had two members of the posse. A big game hunter was the next to attempt to slay the wolf man and from a cabin near Werewolf Springs. All was quiet the first two nights, but on the third, the hunter heard howls in the distance and took aim from a window at what appeared to be the werewolf. He fired, but the gunshot provoked the creature and the beast broke through the cabin door. By this time, the hunter had climbed into the rafters and began firing at the monster from above. Again, the shots did nothing more than antagonize the brute that growled, swiped and clawed at the hunter. Realizing he had just two shots left, the hunter was certain he was about to meet his maker when the sun rose and the creature fled into the woods. The area referred to as Werewolf Springs is also known as Hall Springs, presently accessed through Montgomery Bell State Park's 11-mile overnight hiking trail. Mark Corlew, a longtime resident of Burns and former MBSP naturalist and ranger, explained the Hall family homestead, approximately 150 yards from the spring, was situated between the spring and Hall Cemetery. The Halls were among several families who lived within what is now park boundaries before 1935 when the land was purchased by the state. The overnight trail passes Hall Cemetery and loops around to Hall Springs, where fresh water bubbles to the surface from an underground water table. The spring then flows into present-day Lake Woodhaven. 
The beast was rumored to live in a cave in Creech Hollow and other accounts of the werewolf include the mysterious disappearance of a little girl who vanished while fetching water from Hall Springs. She was never found, but several animal and human bones were discovered in a Creech Hollow cave. The caves are now below the surface of the lake. Brown noted several mule and horse bones have been found in the area near Werewolf Springs. This bone site, however, is said to have been a common dumping ground for dead animals by pre-park residents, though even in the distant past, people knew better than to dump dead things near their water supply. Corlew, who worked for the park for 23 years, actually discovered a cabin near Werewolf Springs, where the big game hunter allegedly fought off the beast. He had hiked the area as a 12-year-old boy scout, following an old trail that began at the fire tower at the southernmost point of the park to a cemetery near the springs and into a valley. Much later, he returned to the former trail and found the abandoned cabin. The structure has since collapsed, but an outhouse still stands. He noted the ground around the cabin appeared to have been cultivated at one time because it showed signs of having been plowed. Iron or Magnate Montgomery Bell, for whom the park is named, mined the land in the mid-19th century and he, too, plays a role in the werewolf legend. Some claim he was the landowner attacked by the wild man while traveling the country road. However, he couldn't possibly have been the traveler, because the story originates with the circus train derailment in the late 1860s and Bell died in 1855. Dixon Model Railroad Club's Rick Hughes noted the rail line through the park wasn't completed until the War of Northern Aggression, when the Nashville and Northwestern, military, railroad line from Kingston Springs to Dixon at mile post 42 and on to, New, Johnsonville, was extended. The tracks, he explained, wouldn't have been used for anything other than military shipments until after the war. He also indicated there were several wrecks along the line when trains ran from Nashville to Memphis. The old rail line runs its original path through the park, he added. Though the tracks have been modernized and there have been alterations along the route, the basic path is still the same. The precise location of the crash from which the circus animals escaped is unknown, but sightings of the werewolf have been reported along both Trace and Turnbull Creeks.